that almost 46 million people in East Africa and the Horn of Africa are currently facing an unprecedented food crisis due to the ongoing drought and the conflict that's been happening in the Horn of Africa. SDG 2, 3, 4, 6 and 13 are greatly challenged by this fact. Welcome to the SDGs and Me podcast and that very fact is our SDG fact of the day. My name is Grace Waswam and I'm here to inspire you, challenge you and make you see what you can do in your community so that we can impact society and achieve the sustainable development goals. Welcome to the show. My guest today, Mr. Ayan, uh, he's going to give his full introduction in a few minutes. Is coming in to talk to us about young people taking lead in advocacy. Now, in the previous episodes that we've had, we've had conversations about young people in the different SDG sectors, what they have done and the numbers they have been able to reach. And now we're getting to um, the last episodes of the season and we want to end it knowing that you have understood your role as a young person in leading in advocacy. And that is the conversation for today. So, Ariane, welcome to the podcast today. I we're truly honored to have you, and I'm just gonna give you a few minutes to say who you are and what you do before we can dive into the questions. Great, thank you so much, and thank you so much, Grace, for uh, having me on your incredible podcast and to include me on your incredible list of speakers. I really, really appreciate it. So hello to all the listeners out there. My name is Arjen Singrachka. I'm 18 year old uh, and I'm from London. Um, um, I'm also a UNHCR, so the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, Young Champion for Refugees and Alternatives to Detention Specialist at Migration and Youth Children's Platform, which is the migration and uh, constituency of UNMGCY. As well as that, I founded my own nonprofit organization called Forcifly, which is now 27 members strong from uh, with youth from around the world advocating for refugees, equality and human rights. Fantastic. You are, you know, you, you have so much similarity just from your introduction with the guest I had yesterday. Um, and I'm truly impressed by how young, young activists are coming, uh, you know, how young activists are these days. You're 18 years old and you founded an organization impacting thousands and thousands of people. Now, I want us to go through, first of all, what your organization is all about. First to flee, you've briefly talked about it, what exactly you do. Um, what you have done and and what maybe you intend to do and then you can give me a background of how you formed this and how you started your advocacy journey. Yeah sure so Forcefully is a non-profit organization as I said advocating for refugees human rights and equality Um, and what we currently do is we try and get youth involved in the conversation in global politics and world affairs surrounded by uh, the Youth 2030 strategy as well as our key aims and principles which are collaboration, education, advocacy and um, innovation. So what we do is try and give young people a platform to work together, communicate and um, create something that's really well world changing and start a conversation that can impact their generation um, and generations following. 
So what we what we used to do and what we still do to this time. So we started off by having an in conversation with series where we talk to um, world leaders, activists, uh, journalists, and other people who are involved in refugees, equality, and human rights. So sort of what this podcast does, um, but at least this one has a youth focus. We talk to all generations. Um, and past guests have included the UNHCR representative to the United Kingdom and even former UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon, which was probably my favourite interview. Um, so that's so we try and give young people a perspective from uh, from them on how to and how to learn from them, and they always provide tips and uh, advice to young people on how to start their advocacy journey, and that has really impacted my life and the work that we do as an organisation. Um, and recently in 2021, so the the one year anniversary of the projects um, that I'm about to mention is was in August. So we founded something called the Youth Action Coalition, which is our specific youth engagement project to get people from all around the world, especially young people defined by the United Nations as people under 30, um, to come together and start that conversation of change that I was talking about. And together we've created Memorandum 2030, which is a youth statement on uh, climate, uh, gender equality and human rights um, and the intersections between them. And we've had an incredible uptake in, in the membership of the Youth Action Coalition, which is really incredible to see so many young people wanting to get involved. So that's currently what we're focusing on. Um, on the side, we also have a climate refugees project, and that's our main advocacy platform. So we're advocate, advocating for climate refugees, which are people forcibly uh, displaced due to environmental disaster, for example, hurricanes or any climate change unnatural event, um, and natural event, sorry, um, and get that definition legally recognized in international law to allow them to have safety and protection. And in the future, we're working on something called the Sparking Change Project, which is all about education and focusing on SDG4 um, and getting young people educated about gender equality, climate change and refugees, understanding the basics. Where do they come from? How does this impact my life and what can I do about it? And we hope to roll that out through schools starting in the UK and then the wider public um, and for them, for the general public to understand more about these issues and get the conversation started. Um, and how did I come to start Force to Fleet? Well, it actually all started from a school project. So when I was 14 years old, we had to do a school project at school um, based on anything we really wanted to do. I wasn't very good at like essay writing or anything like that. So I did not want to create an essay or write an essay. So I decided to make a website. And that website was um, about refugees. And why refugees? It's because my family were refugees. They were forcibly displaced from Uganda in 1972 when it then President Idi Amin kicked out anyone from Indian origin from, uh, from Uganda. And Britain was very kind in letting us and my family come and stay in the United Kingdom. And then we ultimately gained citizenship here after qualifying for the 10 years um, as a result of the British Empire, they were very kind to in Indians fleeing Uganda. And my family has now been based in the UK predominantly ever since. And we all live quite funnily in the same streets where we, when my grandparents with my dad first came to the UK. So I'm a second generation immigrant. And I really wanted to tell that story in this, in this school project. So I created a, a website uh, about refugees and my grandma's story. Um, and I realized after the project was finished, that I really, really enjoyed what I was doing. And I think I found my passion about something to do in my spare time. So for the next couple of years, we were just working. It was just me and my laptop um, with this website. 
trying to update it regularly with new refugee information, um, any new, you know, UN conventions or UN laws that have been passed or any national laws that have been passed around the world to help refugees and trying to educate people on what it means to be a refugee and what it means to be forcibly displaced. Um, and then COVID hit and everyone turned to doing things online, which was actually quite uh, in a world of negatives and um, unfortunate deaths and illness and masks and lockdowns where no one could go outside. Um, forcefully actually grew, um, which was quite funny. Um, so we then grew our immediate core team of about nine people um, who work every day on forcefully. Um, and then we expanded the reach of the organization to include uh, human rights and equality, because that's what some of the other passionate people um, who work um, with us um, are passionate about. So forcefully is really a platform for everyone to explore their passions and forcefully is just a banner that people can do things under it's not really has a specific focus um, and our focus is evolving every day so that's how forcibly came to be formed fantastic you started um this school project that has become this immense and you know such a huge project that is serving a lot of people and even from what you've you've said you are having conversations with people you're having intergenerational conversations then that bringing that solidarity of people that are already ahead of us and how they can advise us as young activists to start our own projects and manage our own projects you've talked about the memorandum that you've already um, uh, shared with the people, you're advocating for climate um, refugees. I'm curious, how has that journey been? These are a lot of things that you've done in a very short span of time and a lot of impact that you have created in a very short period. How has that <laughs> journey been and how has it been for you? Well, I won't lie, that journey was quite stressful. Um, there, there are always you know, as a young person, you don't really know the field because you see very professionals do it. Like when you see COP27 that recently just finished, you know, they're all kind of old people, world leaders sitting in a room talking about these discussions. And you're like, oh my God, how can I get involved in this discussion? Because it's climate change. It's something that I'm really passionate about. Um, but it's, it is a stressful journey to like get over that step that, you know what, I have a purpose, I have a voice and I'm going to use it. Once you've gone through that phase, the stress decreases immensely and you realize anything you do, anything in the advocacy space that you do, whether it's from uh, modern slavery to human rights to um, climate change or even your local community, whether it's political participation in your local community of young people, um, any advocacy work you do is goes from stress or you know I don't know how to do this to this is something I'm really enjoying and passionate about and all that stress disappears because you just enjoy what you're doing it becomes kind of like a hobby it's something that you do on the side like we're all studying all young people study um hopefully at, at, in in the younger years and when I started when I was 14 years old I was at school doing this project on the side and you know what I just spent a couple of days when I couldn't be bothered to do my homework and when I got bored instead of watching like Netflix I used to just like google some interesting stuff on the news and put it on this website that I thought no one was watching uh, or, uh, or looking at um, but it was stressful to begin with and especially when you're trying to do so much and you have you think that you can change the world but once you accept that the world is an imperfect place and it's never going to be perfect and your ultimate goal is just to try and make it the best you can and help as many people as you can along the way then i think 
everything becomes like a community you start a community outreach program that's what force of really is it's it's trying to engage young people it's trying to engage uh, older generations to listen to young people and the voices they have and also to get young people collaborating and doing something that's innovative and that has an impact on as many people and i always say once i've helped one person i've achieved my goal that's what i want to do i want to help at least one person with whatever they're doing for example we help um, refugees trying to seek asylum uh, get legal advice on, on their asylum applications and once I see and I hear so many stories every day I get emails into my inbox saying please please help so we set up this new system where we have legal advisors and uh, a legal team which then provide non uh, non not-for-profit services um, they're just university students and they're, they're just looking to help someone like me um, and it's, it's a really in, incredible project and when you hear that their asylum claims are successful it, it means the world to you because you know you've you've helped someone in their in their journey to to finding a better home or finding shelter or fleeing and these are people fleeing war persecution violence and natural disaster and once they once you see them settle down and you and you know they have safety it makes your heart all fuzzy and warm so it's stressful it, but it's also fun at the same time and you everyone can do it there's no need there's no barriers to entry to this to this field i promise you you may feel at times that there are barriers to entry but there are not you can do whatever you want whether it's on twitter whether it's on instagram just start posting just start advocating just start talking and that talking and advocating sparks a conversation of change that can last a lifetime perfect Thank you so much for that. Um, and that will lead us to our next question because you've talked about, uh, you've, you've encouraged the listeners to understand that you can actually start. You can actually start from a post. You can start advocating and doing what you need to do to transform your community. Now, the challenge is whether or not the voices of young people are being heard. And from your experience with conversations with people in high level uh, positions and leaders in these high level positions, do you think that the voices of young people are being heard? And what can governments do to welcome the voices of young people accordingly? You can share this from your experience and what, what you feel should be done. That's such a good question, Grace. Um, I think young people are being heard, but they're not being recognized or listened to. So for example, I'll give you the example of COP27. At COP27, there was a children and youth um, pavilion for the first time, which shows that, you know, uh, the Egypt presidency of the COP really wanted to listen to young people. Um, and they wanted to hear young people's voices, but they weren't actually listened to when it comes to the final declaration. For example, Youngo's final um youth statement that they were submitted not every point or not all the points or not the majority of points were adopted into the final cop statement um so young people being heard but they're not being listened to or recognized as equal partners in the room and i think that's kind of it's hard when you're representing all children and all youth in the world i i understand the position of governments in saying okay fine but you're just one person do you actually represent every single young person and child that's ever lived on this planet from all parts of the all parts of the world? I understand that perspective. However, many young uh, many young people kind of face the same things when it comes to uh, we all are under a certain age and we all are a similar age group, and that makes us a community. We also have intersections. We also have 
And that's when you see youth collaboration. And I really promote youth collaboration because it shows how when young people come together, you know, the more like the, t- the classic saying together, we are stronger. Um, I believe that to be completely true. When young people come together and present a united voice in a room, in a meeting, um, then you're more likely to be listened to. So there is a separation between being heard and being listened to. Um, heard is just when you like speak in a room and you're, everyone has to kind of listen to you. But li- being actually listened to and positive, positively listened to is when you're, what you say has an impact and that impact is taken forward and taken seriously under consideration. Um, so I think young people are being heard. They're giving, they've been given platforms to speak and they are speaking at them, which is incredible to see and is always the first step. But now young people need to be treated like equal partners in the room and listened to accordingly. And what can governments do to welcome the voice of young people? Honestly, I think just keep keep letting them speak, keep hearing their perspectives and don't shut them out of the conversation. When we're talking about national, international or even local issues, whether it's from let's start a new community garden, that community garden is also used by young people. So we should include a youth perspective on the conversation. And it's great to see in the UK, we have something called the um, uh, youth parliament where it's you know young people from around the country who get to sit in the House of Commons, Commons um, and debate issues of national importance. Um, and whilst may it look and may look performative for young people, it can really make an impact and create motivation for other people to to participate in that conversation. And I, and I really respect the Speaker of the House of Commons sitting for that session uh, and hearing what young people have to say. And I hope you know governments can then take what young people say in that debating forum and then implement it into national policy or use young people as evidence of people who want certain things. Um, and I really encourage other governments of the world to do it. So provide youth with a forum to speak and then give them equal partnership when it comes to decision making, co-creation, co-leadership and co-action. Uh, let's take this charge together, because at the end of the day, we're all human, no matter what our age is. Global problems, for example, climate change, human rights and justices uh, affect us all. And at the end of the day, we are all human. And that's the one thing that connects us is our humanity. And once we recognize that and, you know, what... Uh, a government that does uh, a government today will do has an impact on future generations. But if you include that future generation in that conversation, hopefully it will have a more positive impact um, than others. So include young people and keep it going and make sure they're listened to and respected when when you give them that platform to speak. Great. I love that you said that young people are being heard, but their voices are not being recognised. And I agree with you. I think there are so many voices of young people trying to communicate something, but the recognition that should come from the government who are the enablers, um, it, it really is in coming. And I hope that the message that you sent to the governments, uh, probably anyone that will be listening to this, that they will be able to, to, to take that into consideration. Now, social impact is important. And I want us to go through uh, this last question on why is it important for young people to advocate for social change? We have had conversations of people uh, and you know of people saying that young people should be engaged even we've talked about youth engagement right now. We've talked about our voices being heard and being given a seat at the table. But why is that important? Why, should we, why shouldn't we just let the governments or the people that are already ahead take the lead and not involve us from your perspective? Well, I think they're dealing with issues that 
in fact, everyone. Uh, like I said, the one thing that we all can connect with is that we're all human at the end of the day. So global problems are going to affect each and every one of us. So I don't see why young people shouldn't get involved or be e uh, equally recognized when it comes to, you know, what should we do with the future of our planet? What, How should we protect our planet? How should we save our planet? How do we stop human rights abuses? How do we make sure everyone is treated with respect, fairness and kindness? And I think at, at the... um. At the beginning of the United Nations Charter, it says uh, we are all free and equal and citizens of the United Nations or something along those lines. Um, and I think we that just needs to be respected and it needs to be heard because we each as individual citizens of the world, let alone what country you come from, let alone what continent you're from, let alone where your voice is from, we are all human. And I think that's the one thing that everyone could connect with. So if young people realise their humanity and realise they are equal citizens in terms of a world population, then it's so important for young people to advocate for social change because there's such a big group of people. And I think it was Melissa Fleming who said, um, there have never been more young people on earth than there are right now. And that is not uh, that is true and it has to be respected. And therefore, because there are so many of us, we have such a big voice. And if we use it together, if we unite, if we have these conversations, like, uh, sorry about my voice, like me and you are having right now, Grace, if young people get involved with those conversations, um, then it will be an incredible youth movement and a youth takeover of, you know, global policy and the future and protections. And it will set precedent that every government from that point has to listen to what young people have to say. When we're in positions of power um, and our generations are in positions of power, we will have to listen to our kids and their kids and their kids because at the end of the day, like I all said, we are all human and we're all going to live on the same planet together as one global family. So it's so important for young people to take the lead in ensuring that every human voice is respected, every human voice is heard, and we need to include people who are um, predominantly underrepresented in these issues, for example, women and girls in diplomacy, as well as people from uh, the southern uh, hemisphere, People from these underrepresented communities need an equal voice as much as every other country in the world. So we can't just be having youth from the West or youth from the North who are representing global youth. No, we need to have equal representation of countries, of ethnicities, of backgrounds, of um, ideas and sentiments. We need all of these things to be included in the conversation. That's why every young person should have the opportunity to speak and contribute. And young people alone can elect their own leaders. So I'm, I'm a really good, uh, I'm a really big believer in youth representation representation in politics. I think young people should be able to vote. Um, I think young people should be able to stand for office because then the young people can unite and send youth representatives to national parliaments where, you know, we're actually listened to. So if we have more young people in politics, more young people who have a platform to speak, then hopefully we can get more young people's perspectives out there. So youth should advocate for social change and please get involved in any local project, any national project or any international project that you are passionate about. Find what you want to do. Find what you want to talk about. Is there any topic that you want to talk about on and make a change in? please get involved with whatever people are doing out there and come together, collaborate. Force the Flea is always open. We're happy to have you. We want to hear your voices. We want to hear what you have to say. And we want to work with you, not um, not you work for us. We want to work with you as equal people in that team and make change together. So please advocate for social change like you are, Grace. And this uh, this podcast hopefully will 
um, help many young people to see that they have the power and that they should use it. Because ultimately, when you use your power and you have a voice, you have you can make a positive change in the world. Indeed, indeed. I mean, you're doing amazing work. And from what you said, I'm certain that a lot of young people are going to be inspired. I love that you've talked about collaboration, the importance of coming together, and you've even invited young people to be part of your, your organization and come together with you and impact society. I love that you've mentioned about equal representation, that it's no longer us as young people allowing a certain group of people sitting in closed doors and making decisions for us instead of um, welcome, welcoming us to those rooms and letting uh, our voices being heard and our own points being listened to in terms of decisions that were supposed to be made for us. I am, that has been such, I mean, it's, it's been a, a short conversation, but a very impactful one. And a lot of important points have been captured from learning about your story from understanding that you don't need to be so old to start an organization. You started yours as a high school project from understanding that you need to put your voice out here as a young person and start what you need to do. And even learning that in as much as we have our voices, a lot of it is not being recognized and calling to the government to have them recognize our own voices. Now, as we finalize, do you have any parking shot, any word of advice for anyone that's, that feels like I'm too young to start this project or uh, <laughs> I'm too old to start this project? Any word of advice? My, my, my word of advice is forget all of that. You're never too young. You're never too old. Just get involved. As I said earlier, that you, you may feel like there are barriers to entry, but I promise you there are no barriers to entry to this field. Please, just whether it's an Instagram post, whether it's at a dinner table, having a conversation, just talk about social issues, make people understand your perspective, listen to them, respect their perspective. And why don't we find a, a viable solution for our future that we can come together and create together? So just get involved, spark that conversation of change and get involved with a social issue that you care about, please. That's all I, that's my advice to young people. Just go out there and do it. Forget what anyone else says, forget the stigma behind it. Forget, oh, you're too young to do this or, oh, you're too old to do this or, oh, you don't have the information, the knowledge, the expertise like we do. You do, you are an equal citizen of the world. So go do it, use your power. All right. Thank you so much, Ariane. This has been such a beautiful conversation and thank you for coming on board uh, to the podcast. I mean, we have learned a lot and to all our listeners, I think it's time for us to um, take our tools and, and let's, let's not sit on the, the suggestions that we have or the recommendations that we have or the ideas that we have. Ariane, we are very grateful that you were able to join us today and to our audience, we ask that you listen to this, take in the points that you've been able to hear today and share this with your friend, your neighbor, your networks, anyone that is able to learn and understand